Welcome to Talk Tennis, a podcast created specifically for you, the tennis fanatic. Join us each week as we work to elevate your game both on and off the court. We will deliver fresh episodes to keep you up to date with tennis trends and technologies, as well as exclusive interviews with industry experts, current and former pros, and so much more. Here's your host, Michelle. Welcome to Talk Tennis. This is going to be a wrap up of some of my favorite and your favorite episodes from 2023. Another year done, another year of fun tennis chatter, geeking out on all the things on the court, off the court, and everything in between. We've got some fun clips to highlight some of the best episodes of 2023. So let's get right into it. I have to say when thinking through all the episodes that we did this year, one of my absolute highlights was having Isla Tomjanovic on the podcast. She is one of my favorite players on tour. And then being able to watch her in Netflix, Breakpoint has been super fun. She is back from injury. She just won a small tournament a couple weeks ago. So I'm very excited and hope to see her down in Australia. I can't wait to watch her 2024 unfold because I think she's ready to go. But one of my absolute favorite episodes this whole year was with her. She's absolutely amazing. Am I gushing? Yes, I am totally gushing. So let's get right into the first episode with Isla Tomjanovic. I feel like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, in the last year or two, there seems to be um, a more emotional, mature response out on the court. And is this something you've been putting a lot of time and working on? Or is it something that you just feel like you've continued to like get older so you have more experience? Talk to me about how you're kind of like embracing your stronger mental side of the game. Yeah, I think that I've been doing this for a while and I... I had a moment maybe a couple of years ago where I felt like I've been through so many heartbreaking matches that I've lost. And I felt like I was finding myself in these situations again and again, and not much was changing. You know, the emotions would always get the better of me in the end. And I'm the type of person I want to win so much. Like it means so much that it has the counter effect sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think there came a point where I just was like, okay, I need to really dive deep into what goes wrong in these matches when I lose and just not try to minimize that same outcome for the next match. And when I started doing that, it just, every match that I played, there was something different than that didn't work. So I was always, I started problem solving a lot more and just, it's not easy to confront your negative sides. It's scary. It's, we all kind of run from that when, when you have to talk things, not badly of yourself, but just acknowledge that, well, I screwed up here. And why did I do that? Why was that a thought thought that came in my mind at five all and 30 all? Right. Um, but confronting it and going over it just helped me to relax more. And the more I kind of worked on it, the more, the more success I had and then build confidence. And before I would just kind of cry about it, be sad and and, and just not want to confront it because it's too painful. Like maybe there's not a lot because you actually do an amazing job of like balancing an authentic voice, but still being like professional. And it's it's cool because we've gotten to see you did that my tennis life with tennis channel. And like we've gotten to see behind the scenes and like on court and you're a fierce competitor and like you're you're just when you're winning and even when you're losing and then your speech is after it's just so great I think you just draw people in with that so we we appreciate that yeah I mean I always get like 
they're always like, oh my gosh, Ayla, you always look so stoic and almost like you don't have emotion. And I kind of hate that because inside, I mean, in every aspect of my life, I'm I'm very emotional. Like I, mm-hmm. I love to get happy. I, when I feel things, I really feel them deeply, good mm-hmm. and bad. And I think it's more my strength than my weakness because I don't know, it's just things matter to me, you know? And I think people sometimes don't get that side because on the court for those two hours, I'm trying my best just to keep calm. And, and I have a good poker face most yeah. of the time, but there's a lot going under there. So, um, yeah, I think fans that have, maybe been around longer than maybe now since just last year can really see that but yeah I just I love I love to feel things things matter so yeah yeah I'm very emotional too so I get it (laughs) next up we had an opportunity to record a podcast in a professional stringing room at the BMP Paribas Open in Indian Wells this past year. It was super fun and it was very electric. There was a lot going on. We had pro players coming in and dropping off their rackets to get restrung. And we were able to talk to Dennis Fabian from Head, who shout out, he might have been the most requested and uh, he was on the podcast the most in 2023, aside from myself. So he is a fan favorite. I know you guys love Dennis and love when we chat with him. He's so insightful and he's open to talking about everything, which we don't always get to see behind the curtain like that. So enjoy this clip from that BMP Stringing Room podcast. Tell everyone where we are. Uh, we are right now here in the middle of the epicenter of the Stringing Room, basically. Like right behind us, a couple of guys grinding and, and working on rackets. A total of 12 stringers again this year and a hell lot of work for these guys, yeah. At the BMP Paribas Open yes, in Indian correct. Wells, California. Correct. Yes. I don't know, this might be a first, hopefully, maybe, uh, the first podcast recorded in a stringing room. There's probably been others. Maybe, but I don't know, but like, let's... But this will be the let's best. Let's pretend we are the okay. first, first and the best. <laughs> first, like, best, we're making history here, okay. <laughs> Another favorite episode that was recorded this past year. It actually came at the beginning of 2023, and I always like resetting the year with goal setting and intentions and all that. And we had James on to talk to us about training as tennis players and training as we get older and training in a very smart way for our bodies instead of overworking and trying to do all the things. Fun fact, I actually just consulted with him last week as I've kind of been dealing with some resetting with my own personal body and my own workout structures. He is so smart, so insightful. He knows tennis. He knows tennis players. He is an amazing trainer. Plus, he's just got tons of great energy. He loves what he does. So enjoy this clip and learn a little bit about training with James. So maybe you can talk talk me down from the ledge. I'm still working out and everything else, but talk about quantity versus quality. And also there's just so many things in the world that's like hit workouts, strength workouts, cardio only. Don't forget to do this. Don't forget to stretch. Don't forget your yoga. And by the time you're getting older, you don't have that many hours in the day. So let's talk about the aging athlete. <laughs> Absolutely. And hey, I'm not that far behind. I, I, you know, I'm about to be 31 in a few months and I, all of a sudden I'm feeling my, I'm feeling my knee. I'm like, what's going on here? (laughs) Just wait. So (laughs) 
I saw a meme yesterday that, sorry, I have to interrupt because it's the timing was perfect. It was like, be scared of the person that is over 40 years old and runs <laughs> because you know that their body <laughs> and like all the comments were hilarious. And I'm like, same. Anyways, go ahead. No, no, no. no. Working, you know, with an aging body because, you know, our goal and we see this on the court a lot, right? Tennis is one of those sports that you could be the ageless athlete in and you, you could be playing singles, doubles, you name it all the way. Um, past your prime to the point that you can still enjoy the game but how do you then supplement that and right? walk upstairs you, you, the next day <laughs> you, exactly right or get up from bed so i think it comes down to and you mentioned it like what's the kind of relationship of quality versus quantity i think that quality plays a bigger aspect there you know i mentioned also earlier juniors younger kids young adults uh, going to college, they can take on a greater amount of volume over time. And so when we're looking at the quality versus quantity, your quality of training should come down to keeping some of those uh, biomarkers available, ready, and you don't lose them over time. What I mean by that, a great example is power and just maximum speed you actually have to be training power maximum speed about five, give or take every five to seven days before you start to see a dip in that quality. Maximum strength is, I think, plus or minus five days, but it's plus or minus 25 days, plus or minus five. So you go almost a whole month without trying to lift almost anything moderate to extremely heavy, mm -hmm. but you can still maintain that maximum strength. So flipping it back and forth between a lot of those things, mobility, I think, is a extremely important uh, quality to always maintain as we find ourselves, you know, being glued to our phones most of the time, uh, sitting down, whether it's for work or other things, sitting through traffic. Uh, if it's also then working on your isometric strength, another area I think which is really important. You're telling your body, you're sending a message from your brain to your muscle, push as hard as possible. Mm -hmm. They've seen in studies that that is a actually, it's actually a really great way to maintain your strength over, you know, the longevity of your life. So power, speed, isometric strength, mm -hmm. you know, plyometrics, I think fall into that category. You, you never want to have a scenario where you start to lose power. And that comes also from the lower body. So you don't need to go through those uh, repetitive, nonstop, EMOM, 24-inch <laughs> uh, box jumps for two minutes straight. You're gassed out. You can't walk next day. But it's so important to practice some of those movements at a lower volume that is going to, that are going to keep your bones healthy, your tendons springy and your muscles active. Some of the easiest podcasts for me to record are the ones where I'm sitting with the playtesters and Troy, and I always have a good time bantering about whether it's pro gear, pro players, pro gossip, pro tournaments. And we have a lot of those coming to you in 2024. Those episodes will be, we'll be doing a few more of those as we love them. But check out this clip and see what kind of changes we'd like to make to the pro tour in 2024. We're going to talk about pro stuff. Pro allegedly <laughs> what's happening <laughs> and some true things that are happening.
like gear and stuff allegedly because endorsing yeah <laughs> oh man we're what's all going down on the tour so what's going on on the tour right now what's we're uh, on the tour uh i'm stoked that it's that we got the grass court tennis on tv yes at this moment i love the clay court season but like watching tennis on tv i've always talked about like clay court tennis isn't necessarily the funnest to watch for me on tv just one because i guess like just the vividness of the of the picture. Like on clay, you, you can't really track the ball as well. The court's got some discoloration and, the, you know, the background. Mm-hmm. The ball doesn't really pop. And then as soon as the grass court comes, and especially when the courts are like fresh and not worn down, that yeah. bright green, you see the ball clearly. It's just different. Yeah. And then for me Fast. too, it's shorter points, yeah. not as much of a grind. So I don't know. I just I love watching the, this time of year with the with the grass courts. I wish, um, and I know this is a kind of a debate on the tour, um, but I wish this longer. grass court season was longer. Totally. I feel like bring it back, make it. We longer. have so many hard court tournaments, and the clay court season goes on for a decent amount of time that we could probably cut a week or two, maybe somewhere in there, and add right. But I guess maybe part of that um, more grass court tournaments is the resources and the availability. I don't know. You know, there's not a ton of grass court clubs and a host site for more, I guess. But in a dream world. In a dream world. We're petitioning to have a grass court tournament out in the desert where there's some grass courts. Yeah. More grass court tournaments and bring Roger back. Bring Roger back. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of Roger. Yesterday, so I said this out loud, and someone was like, "No, it's in August." I was like, "Is it not Roger Federer Day?" Because Holly started Holly Holly. Yeah, that's like the Roger Federer tournament. Yeah, he played it or won it like ten times yeah. or something. But I, I that's what I thought at the Holly tournament they were going to have like a day dedicated to him at the tournament. It was yesterday. And they did yeah. a little ceremony for him yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We have someone in our office who keeps threatening to get an RF tattoo. I'm going to put him on blast. (laughs) He has not gotten the tattoo. And he told me it was not RF day. And I think that now he needs to go get that tattoo (laughs) for not being the biggest fan. Yeah. As I mentioned, I love when we get to podcast with the playtesters. It just is like a normal conversation in our office. So we had so much fun recording the Prestige Deep Dive. Head has reissued that Prestige Classic 2.0 this year, one of our favorite releases of the year. And I know Chris just switched to that racket. So we had a really good time just talking about all things prestigious. And you can hear a little insight about how this racket came to be. Is that kind of what you're talking about? The difference if you change factories, it changes the layup. Of the yeah, so we've feel. we've requested many times since I've been here at T-Dub for um, head to bring back you know versions of the Prestige mid, um, and so this you know, we've had Prestige Classic come back, and there was some they were the frames were made, so all the molding and everything was done in Kennelbach, and then the paint and grommets and stuff were applied in the Czech Republic. So they were really made in Austria, finished in the Czech Republic, which is, I think is what we put in our product description, but they say made in the Czech Republic on them because that's where they right. were, Finish were finished. Yeah. That's right. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, those were pretty sought after back in the day. And then we've had other ones that have been made in China, but you know, I think the playability is still Same. spot on. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, we had Luxalon on the podcast, which I think is pretty cool. And we were able to hear all about how sustainable the Luxalon factory is. Plus, we heard some insights from 
the stringing room at the U.S. Open and what has changed, some trends that they're seeing. So this was a super insightful podcast for me, and I hope you guys like it as much as I did. Give me all the details that you can share with us. For you, anything. So, <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I mean, uh, I think it's a, a new record. Obviously, we have two Grand Slams in U.S. Open and Roland Garros, um, and 7,000 rackets strung. That's crazy. That's year, a lot of rackets. Which is is a lot of rackets. So um, yeah, it's 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 busy. We think that's a record. It's certainly uh, Roland Garros was around six seven something like that. So we hit that seven. We hit that seven thousand, wow. and then in one day, five hundred and seventy seven rackets strung in one day. What day was that of the tournament? So the day before main draw. Okay. Um, started so end of qualies and stuff so yeah an insane amount of rackets but I keep telling everyone it's made 100% from recycled materials all of it including the packaging everything plus it's a good plain string I really like the eco power and I'm gonna let you guys take it from there how did this concept come about explain how long you've been working on it and we'll we'll just start there I think uh, it started quite a lot of years ago, uh, especially at Luxland, we are always uh, involved in, in sustainability. Uh, when we built our new factory, we, we, built, uh, we built it with the idea, okay, how can we make our factory more sustainable? How can we reuse the heat of the machines? How can we um, use some electricity like solar uh, panels we have the uh, 1600 panels on the, the roof sometimes the year ends and you try to remember everything that launched throughout the year and it gets a little overwhelming but one that we cannot forget is the pure arrow origin rafa racket that babalot helped make just for rafa with his specs and this racket is super beasty and like amazing so if you have hit with it you know exactly what i'm talking about if you haven't hit with it maybe it's time to demo but we had a chance to talk to olivier from babla in the desert this past year all about what it was like working with rafa from specs to even the paint job on the racket and everything in between we decided uh, with Rafa and his team to uh, to work on the second generation, and then uh, here it is. Here it is. Here yeah, it is. Here it and is. it's beautiful and bright. And I want to dive deep into the specs of this racket because I've had a chance to hit with it, and this is a monster of a racket. I have so much more respect for Rafa. Not that I, like we all respect him as an athlete, but the second you hit with this racket, you realize he is insanely strong he's whipping through the ball so yeah. fast so talk to me specifically about his this origin racket so it's um it's a racket that that is really dedicated uh, to uh, to heavy spin what's called heavy spin which is a combination of, of power and, uh, and and ball rotation and spin um so um that racket is um with um, the stiffness, we have we have a specific stiffness and uh, seventy three RA and a certain um, weight and balance that generate a lot of spin and, and power. So we worked on on this racket uh, based on the, on Rafa's specifications mm -hmm. because we know that this is specifications that help a lot to generate uh, the ball rotation. Um, so yeah, we, we said that it was important to uh, to propose to uh, to the players uh, that experience uh, to get that uh, 
that uh, rackets generate so much power and spin um, to push back the opponent mm -hmm. um, as uh, as Rafa Rafa does. So this is a, this is a racket with uh, with Rafa specs. We have some other rackets in the collections too. Um, we have a lighter version uh, at two ninety grams and a thirty three thirty meter balance. So it's um, a racket with a, a same characteristic. With uh, we, we increase the stiffness on the racket shaft to uh, to have a, a great stability and then uh, with Location, location of the weight more on, on the racket head mm -hmm. uh, to have even more uh, stability on, on, on the on the hoop and uh, and generate uh, power and uh, power and spin. So uh, it's a pure aero um, uh, aero modular technology with uh, what we have F FSI spin, which is a frame string interaction with a woofer system to to really help the snapback. And, uh, and the trampoline effect of the string to maximize the, the, the spin. Um, then we have a third racket, the Pure Aero Rafa Junior 26. Nice. Uh, it was important to propose uh, for, for young champions uh, uh, a racket made of carbon with a cosmetic design of, uh, of, of Rafa's rackets. And then talk to me a little bit about working with Rafa, how in tune, I mean, he's very particular about what he likes and what he doesn't like on the court. So I can imagine he's very in tune with the specs of his racket. How is, how is it working with him? Yes, it's um, <clears throat> it's always a, a great experience for us to uh, to to have testing sessions with uh, with such players. He's very sensitive. He's one of the most sensitive players in the, we have in the team. So we work with uh, racket customizers, and most of the players in the in the team uh, have some racket customized. So um, we uh, we spend time, uh, yes, at least once a year with uh, with players, uh, top players to. Uh, to just um, understand their needs, uh, expectations, uh, if they want to uh, to bring some adjustments, uh, slight adjustments to uh, to the racket, and then um, yeah, it's um, Rafa is very unique. You saw the the the, the, the forehand is uh, is so big; it's one of the biggest forehand in in, in the tour. Um, so it's. Um, yeah, we um, we we worked on a way to uh, to maximize uh, the the power and the ball rotation, which is very important for him, just to um, to get a certain control. And um, it's um, every time it's uh, it's a, we learn a lot from uh, from uh, the feedback we have from players. We try to observe the game, how the game can evolve at different levels, so on the tour, uh, in clubs. And um, yes, and then we we work in close in constant collaboration to uh, to work on small adjustments and and make the the best racket to perform with. In 2023, I personally saw myself back in the coaching world of junior tennis, which was crazy. Over 10 years ago, I said I would never go back to coaching, and here I am. And one of my favorite chats was with Quinn Borchard. He is an absolute amazing junior coach. He's an amazing coach in general, but he also has his own little ones that he is coaching and working with. And his son, James, has had an incredible year. I think that's two incredible years. And he talks a little bit about the demands of junior tennis and the expectations from parents and coaches and making it fun. That's the one thing that they always do day in and day out is have fun on the court. And I think that's why James is doing so well, seeing so much success. But here's a little insight into our junior tennis chat. There are a lot of parents and coaches that are like, cool, my kid's having fun. 
let's take it where they want to go. Let's have them decide how far they want to go. And like, let's, let's be a part of their team. But then I also see the other side coaches as well. Nope. This person's going to be the best. She, She better be this. She better be number one in the 16s. And it's like, she does not have right now on paper, any reason for you to say that. I deal with this obviously a lot, um, in junior tennis. Um, not, Hopefully, from not the parents that I of, of the of the juniors that I coach is you know like we lay it down pretty pretty um, it's a pretty concrete thing. So with the players, if say so, say someone comes to me and says that, okay, and say like, hey, I want my kid to be, I don't know, number one or you know yeah. whatever, yeah, or, we'll or play college tennis, yeah, yeah, whatever. yeah, like yeah. whatever it is. Okay, so then I say, okay, well, let's look realistically where they are. Okay what's their what's their ranking in southern cal what's their utr um you know these are these are things these are metrics that 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 are not subjective okay so like these are things that are real you can really you know do do metrically and Mm -hmm. you, you say okay well they're 15 years old and they're a four utr and they're 130 in southern cal okay well realistically speaking to be number one that's going to be really difficult i can show you right now who what what are the players that look like what where are they you know what 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 are they going to go to college tennis are they going to stay in high school tennis all that stuff what are the things that you need to do okay like to get to number one is is that realistically speaking no it's probably not um all of the stuff that i have and this is this is what i do you know and this is what has worked for me and my juniors okay like i i have James, who is number one in the world, 2013 births here. Um, I have his, his buddy Taiki is, you know, top 50 in the country. Last year was 500 in the country. I have a, a girl, Maddie Cleary, top 15 in the country. I have, you know, so like I, and these are, and the players that I, I really have, like, this is what we do. So whatever the goal is, okay, say, and it's, and it's never, to be honest, like, I don't really love like I want to be number one in the world stuff or like not, even, but just like, I don't, I, if you want to play college tennis, okay, that's good. That's a good goal. But like, I like goals that are like this year, mm-hmm. like what is this year's goal? Mm-hmm. Okay. So like, what is my UTR goal? Okay. What is my ranking goal? What is my stroke production goal? Okay. And what, and what are the tournaments that I want to get into? What are the tournaments that I want to play? Okay. All of this stuff should be written down. This should all be written down. It should be given to me. Okay. So the thing is, is I think with parents, there's a lot of dreamers out there and it's great to have a dream and Mm -hmm. you should have a dream. Absolutely. But with a, a dream without goals, it's just a dream. Okay. How are you going to actually do this? Okay. And, and it's, and it's yearly, it, it should be yearly. Like sometimes it could be even like, you know, every six months and to see and to, to track the progress and see where you are and all that stuff. So if somebody says like, Hey Quinn, I really want my kid to play college tennis. I say, okay, great. That's a great goal. Okay. Let's look at the players now who are playing college tennis, what their UTR is, what their ranking was, where did, how long did they play? Or, and also the, the, the seniors right now. Okay. So like, so what do you have to be realistically to play college tennis? And then we go from there and we say, okay. And, and that's a really, 
like far away goal. But as soon as you go, okay, well, you want to play, I, like I want to play at UCLA. Okay. Like say you're a goal and you want to play at UCLA. One of the, one of the best tennis schools in, in the nation. Okay. And, th- and that's great. You want to play at UCLA. Love it. Okay. Well then you've got to at least be a 10, 10, five UTR. Um, you've got to be at least top 20 in the country um, to even think about it. And if you're not there and if you're not close, it might be time to adjust expectations and, and, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. As you guys know, we have a whole crew of T-Dub sponsored pro players, Team T-Dub. And it's always fun connecting with them during the year. They don't have a lot of downtime, but sometimes we can catch them in between matches or in between tournaments. So we had a chance to talk to Alexa Garachi and Asia Mohammed. Both are on tour and having great careers, just grinding away. But Asia talks about being a doubles and singles specialist, and she's working on building her singles ranking while also building her doubles ranking. And then Alexa is able to give that perspective on why she only focuses on doubles. I thought it was a super insightful conversation. They're both amazing young ladies, so check it out. I saw you had a qualifying singles match recently, but then your doubles ranking's like awesome, and so you get straight into these other doubles tournaments. Talk to me about that balance right now. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure it out. It's pretty <laughs> tough. Um, so the beginning of the year, my ranking was much better. But after Australian Open, I actually tore my ab. So and I had a lot of points to defend um, after that. So January, February time. And I couldn't play at all. I was home, which was really nice, because uh, we were not home a lot. And since then, um like where my ranking was, it was it's easier to get. I was like one, like in the one forty range. It's much easier to get into doubles and singles uh, at the same tournaments, the bigger tournaments, the bigger WTAs. So that makes managing a lot easier. But now that my ranking has dropped, um, you kind of have to pick and choose. And there's, I mean, there might be a really good science to which tournaments you kind of prioritize, which I'm trying to figure that out. Um, but yeah, at the 250 that we just played in Cleveland, uh, I was able to get into both, <clears throat> which was really nice. But some tournaments, you know, you're playing doubles. And if you make it to the weekend, that's when the singles for qualifying starts. So you have to choose, okay, well, semifinals of this doubles tournament, or do I go and try and play singles? Um, sometimes it can be like that every week if you're, you know, doing well in doubles. So you have to pick and choose or you can completely skip the doubles tournament and go play some smaller tournaments and singles to get your ranking back up. So then, you know, you're, you're playing the bigger tournaments again. Um, so it's, it's kind of been like that a lot for me. Um, obviously if your rankings, um, top hundred, or even if you get to the top 50, then it makes it much easier because depending on which tournament, you're not having to get there for qualies um, of the next week. So that's kind of what you want to aim to be just so you can almost play a tournament full out, which kind of sounds crazy, you know, but you want to be able to finish a tournament and have the mindset that you are going to finish a tournament. So that's what I'm trying to figure out right now and trying to figure out for the rest of the year my schedule. <laughs> no, that seems so tough. It's like working a job and then having like a pretty serious side hustle because you literally, <laughs> it sounds like you're not really having a lot of days off in, in that. Yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah. The best 
part of playing doubles on tour and what is the worst part of playing doubles on tour? Hmm. Hmm, That's a good question. Right? (laughs) I think the best part is it's nice being out there with someone, right? Like you're when you're out there playing and competing, like you're not alone. Like, you know, that like you have someone that like has your back and like you can talk like whatever you go through on court, you're going to go through together, whether it's good or bad. So I think that part, it's it's always really good to experience that. The worst part, I mean, I don't I even know. know. The worst part. Maybe sometimes the worst part, we're, like, we're so used to just being individual that sometimes maybe that you have a teammate, you're like, a, maybe I just <laughs> wish I was out here by myself. I know. I just had this conversation about how selfish tennis players are and myself. Yeah. <laughs> like sometimes, yeah, you know, and – when you're arranging your your warm ups, it's not just what time you want to hit; it's also what time your partner wants to hit. Um, but I would agree with Lex. It's it's nice, you know, having someone else out there and and not doing it just for yourself. But then sometimes it is nice to just be by yourself. That's what I feel. I guess the worst part is if you had a bad partner who like kind of blamed you and was like negative and like mean and stuff. That would mean be on court. Yeah. yeah. Next up, we had a chat with Turnagrip, the light blue grip that does not slip. Kevin joined us. His family founded Turna Sports, and he talks all about the ins and outs of that grip that is so iconic and used by several pro players. I know some of you guys were questioning that on YouTube, but... Aside from Pete Sampras, he talks about James Blake. We see Grigor Dimitrov. There's a lot of players out there that use a light blue grip, and you know where it comes from. So learn all about the ins and outs, how this grip came to be, what sets it apart, what makes it so special in this clip. Do you have any fun Pete Sampras stories to share or any any <laughs> fun athlete stories? I know you guys have worked with a lot. Well, I think the biggest shocker when you looked at like Pete's racket is just how much lead tape he had stacked around (laughs) the edges. I mean, it looked like a pyramid. So, I mean, playing with such a modified heavy racket, it's really interesting. But on the player side, it's, you know, we don't have that many funny stories. I think it's much more interesting when I look at like uh, somebody like James Blake, right? Who, you know, when you look at Turnagrip, it started off as the original width of Turnagrip. We never mess with the length. And mm-hmm. so what we do through the years is we've made it wider and wider and introduced an XL and an XXL. Uh, but with James, it's like, hey, James, we've got this XL version. We're selling it really well. Would you like to try? He's like, no, absolutely not. I got to have that one. And then you ask somebody like Andy Roddick and he's like, I can't play with that skinny grip. You need to make it bigger than your XL, which is why we created the XXL. (laughs) You know, every single player that we have a relationship with and have had through the years, uh, they all have their exact preferences on what it is. Um, And that's a big reason why we could never change Turnagrip either. I love discovering new brands and I like when people do something a little different than what everyone else is doing. So for me, 2023 was a year of Ace the Moon. I am obsessed with their style, their branding, their hats, their trucker hats, their sweats, their sweatshirts. It's just such a fun brand. And I had a chance to talk to the co-founders, learned about how they met. It's a wild story. I'm actually going to meet up with them this weekend in LA. So I'm super excited to share this brand with you. You guys are like doing something so different and I love it. So we're awesome. going to get into that. But if you want to connect the dots, how did you guys meet? How did this brand start? 
Tell me. Uh, funny enough, we did meet on a dating app. Yes. We, yeah, we met on Hinge. Um, and I was still living in New York. Dina was here in L.A. We realized we had, I don't know, maybe like 100 mutual friends on oh Facebook and whatnot. <laughs> and we, you know, we just became best friends. Um, I ended up living with Dina before I found my place in Santa Monica. She was gracious enough to let me stay in her place and, you know, in exchange for some, some tennis lessons now. But, <laughs> but, um, Hydration is always important no matter what time of year it is. As tennis players, we're always thinking about the best way to hydrate for those long matches. And we had fun recording an episode with one of our sponsored Tito players, Danielle Lau, as well as Jess from Salt Stick. And we talk a little bit about the best methods for hydrating ourselves, if there's a different approach, if you're a high-level professional athlete or just your casual every day I go to the gym and work out, every day I play tennis kind of athlete. So they have some amazing tips and tricks, as well as some great products that I personally love that I think you'll learn a lot from this episode. I am definitely someone that struggles with hydration. I have my whole life. I've always been like a heavy sweater. So no matter <laughs> no matter what I'm doing, I'm usually like dripping perspiration. Um, so how, I mean, like, are these products going to be okay for someone like me to use, even if I'm not, you know, planning a five-hour you know, day at the courts kind of situation. And how do you recommend us average tennis players and athletes out there using our, your products? I that I mean, that's a great question. And I think it's just so important that first off that you view yourself as an athlete because you're moving like sometimes like my busiest work days as a business person are t harder than like a hard day on the bike, you know? Um, so yeah, they're, for our brand specifically, I mentioned earlier that our parent brand is called Elite Active Nutrition, and that's A-L-E-T-E. -E, and we put a lot of thought into that. It stands for all athletes, meaning, you know, if you're out there and you're moving, and you're an athlete. Another racket that stood out in 2023 for me was the Wilson Shift Rackets. We had a chance to talk to Michael Schaefer from Wilson. And fun fact, he was in one of the initial three episodes of Talk Tennis forever ago. But he explains what makes these rackets so different. And he talks about the third dimension of bending and gets really scientific and technical, but also talks about what to expect from these rackets. A lot of players have tried them and really like them. It's like that perfect blend of pocketing and control and power and everything you want exactly when you want it. So enjoy this clip. Is there anything about the shift's bending profile that would make it feel more stable than a similarly, similarly specced racket? Yeah, definitely. So um, we, we talked about the normal bending, so like the traditional RA. We talked about the lateral RA. Um, the, the third dimension of bending that we talk about is torsional stability. So that's really how much the racket twists. Um, Shift along with really every racket in Wilson's line is is best in class when it comes to torsional stability, and that's just something that that we feel is um, really important to put into to all of our frames, and it's almost like a signature feel for for Wilson frames because torsional stability really allows um, all the energy to be put back into the ball, and so I think uh, if if that's what this player is picking up on, it's 
that it feels stable, it's, it's because we, um, it, we have intentionally built um, the racket to not twist. Nice. Um, a question that always kind of comes up, or do you have any fun stories that you can share, whether it's from your team or um, something that you experienced or even with players that play tested it that you can give us from, you know, the early stages of this to the current um, production? And also follow up. <laughs> I'll give you a minute to think on that one. Uh, how many prototypes did you go through? Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> So I'll, I'll start with the, the last question. Um, I don't I don't have an exact number, but um, I was fortunate during um, the pandemic when we were doing a lot of this testing to be living in Palm Springs. Oh, nice. uh, our office was closed, uh, so I needed to be near tennis courts. Um, and so I was playing a lot of tennis. Um, and and it was one of those things where I think every like two weeks, a box would show up. With yeah. <laughs> some, some adjustments uh, that, that uh, the team has made and um, I was, I was doing a lot of the testing at that point. Um, so I would say upwards of, of 25 or so. Oh man. Um, <laughs> so we, we tested a lot of different variations, different string patterns, um, different weights and balances. Um, I think, I think a fun story, I mean, uh, just the way that, that it all came together. Um, I think at one point I would, um, wake up and, and I would have, um, feedback from our team in Germany because they were on court all day um, testing it. And then uh, before I went to sleep, I would have uh, feedback from our team in China or Korea or where they were testing it. And, and, and so uh, just really this being a global um, development within the Wilson team, um, it, it makes it somewhat unique. Well, that wraps it up for 2023. I can't believe we're starting another year, but you know we're so excited to get the Australian Open started. We'll be on hard courts in the U.S. swing before we know it. And as always, feel free to reach out. Let us know what you want to hear more of. We'll do our best to answer all your questions. If you do have specific questions, we're always happy to do deep dives, ask us anything, podcast episodes with the playtesters. You saw we kind of set up our podcast a little bit different towards the end of the year so we now are able to have several people in this room which is, makes the conversation even more fun so feel free to reach out to us at podcast at tennis-warehouse.com for any of those questions suggestions ideas shout outs anything <laughs> send us some love and we are wishing you guys only the best for 2024 and of course happy hitting Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you download your episodes. And be sure to visit our websites for all of the tennis deals at tenniswarehouse.com, tenniswarehouseeurope.com, and tennisonly.com.au. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And until next time, happy hitting. Happy hitting.